The following program is sponsored by Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty. Views and opinions expressed are not those of this station, its owner, staff, or management. You're listening to the Golden State Report. Here's your host, Sacramento's leading real estate agent, Mike Gray. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Golden State Report, heard every week on AM 1380 and FM 105.5. I'm Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty. So happy that you have tuned in this week. I have two wonderful, wonderful show hosts with me. I have Amy DeBus from Finance of America. Hi, everybody. And David Stone from the Stone Consulting Group. You know, at the beginning of the show, and it says the the views and opinions of these people should are not the views of this station, blah, yes. blah, blah. We should probably add at the end of that, but they should be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, that's a disclaimer because they know you two. Okay? <laughs> We're just going to make it fun. Yeah. yeah, we come in the studio and they welcome me and then the, – they go, then comes Amy and David. They go, oh, no, this could be interesting. <laughs> it's always interesting. Yeah. That's right. Well, this is where our listeners tune in every week, and we promise to give them the latest news as it pertains to the real estate market in the Sacramento Valley. And we have been kind of sounding like a broken record these last few radio shows, and we're going to sound like a broken record again because it is simply the hottest seller's market I have ever seen. And you've been in the real estate business for how many years? Over two decades. In wow. My, but involved in real estate for almost four decades. But, and, yeah. wh- and, and why is that? Why? I mean, you've got some really interesting data that we just discussed. Yeah. And what, well, what, I mean, it's simply a supply and demand issue. And, you know, most businesses comes down, it comes down to supply and demand. But we have never seen this much demand and this such a lower number of supply. I mean, our inventory is at basically record lows right now in the Sacramento Valley. And why do you think people are – I mean, we so we don't have enough houses on the market. Correct. And, and why aren't people selling like they used to? Well, a lot of people are just – because of the pandemic, there's been a significant cultural shift. And people are kind of, kind of staying put. They're used to now – they're reinvesting some of their financial asset, assets into improving their home, all right, instead of trying to, to relocate someplace. People who are relocating or selling, there's a pretty high percentages that are leaving the state. Oh, boy. And, we can talk about that forever. It is. <laughs> I mean, I, I, had, I have two closings coming up in, in, in this next couple of weeks, and both of those closings are leaving the Golden State, uh, other more tax-friendly states. But they can still re- listen to the Golden State Report on oh, yeah. iTunes uh, yes, and, and Spotify and, and, and Apple Podcasts. But I don't know if they will, but <laughs> they can. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they're finding the show interesting. Yeah. You know, I was, I was looking at this – this is a national phenomenon. It's not just the Sacramento Valley. It's not just California. Um, one of the most popular states is Idaho, right? Mm, right. So the statistic just came out from uh, FHA. Um, they had an appreciation in Idaho of 82.5% over the last five years. The average single-family home in the United States has appreciated 39% over the last five years. The the worst appreciation, and there hasn't been one – no state has depreciation during the last five years. The worst one is North Dakota. 14.1 positive. Well, there's a reason for that. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Speaking from uh, Midwestern people yeah, yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up in Iowa, and you know, I always say Iowa is a great place to be from. <laughs> so is Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, but yeah, I'm from so, California, so I guess I'm yeah, just here. Yeah. So, But anyway, our inventory is just at record lows. For example, um, 
Uh, this time last year, in if I combine Sacramento and El Dorado and Placer County, we had about 2,300 listings at the same time, right before, just as the pandemic was starting. Right. Right now, we have 998 listings. Oh, my goodness. So that's a, more than a 50% decline in available inventory. Now add to the fact that we have pretty significant increase in uh, uh, Bay Area buyers have really discovering the Sacramento Valley. They can buy three times the house for one-third of the price, although that's starting to change right now because our prices are appreciating pretty dramatically. But so you add that wild card in where people who now can work from home, if I'm going yeah. to work from home, let's just live in Sacramento Valley. If I'm going to work from home, let's consider moving to South Lake Tahoe, which is one of the hottest real estate markets in the country right now. Yeah. And those are pretty high price points up there. That's for sure. So we just have such an extreme demand and such a record low inventory. It has just created this, the hottest seller's market that I have ever been a part of here in the Sacramento Valley. So we have these these fewer homes mm-hmm. on the market, more buyers than usual because we have people exiting certain parts of the state trying to get into the Sacramento Valley. Correct. What is the result on, I mean, multiple offers, but I mean, what's happening to the price points when with your experiences with your buyers that you're representing? Well, let's say at the beginning of 2021, I would very regularly see houses in multiple offers going five, eight, maybe even 9% over asking price. Wow. Now I, um, now it's very, very common to see homes go 10% over asking price with a higher percentage. I've seen that several times. Uh, Is that across the board or is that in really desirable areas? You can give me any zip code, any price point. And I'm seeing multiple offers coming at more than 10% over asking price on the very first offer. Oftentimes, you know, let's say a house hits the market for $700,000, The first offer will be at that. And then, you know, but now I I had a listing hit the market and the first offer came in. Almost eight percent over asking price. The first offer. The very first offer. They're just jumping right in. They know this. We got a window well, they, of opportunity. They realize they, they have lost other homes. We have a yeah. lot of buyers who have struck out and trying to purchase a home, and they are just tired of looking. They're tired of writing offers, and they're going to get one. Yep. And uh, what? Now, what were you going to say, Mike? It could lead to some appraisal issues, but you know, to be honest, all the homes that have gone pending and. If you're under 10%, they seem to be appraising. Now, of course, the longer this goes, the more we have new comps that are just really higher, substantially higher than the previous comp, which sets kind of a a staircase standard for for appraisers out there. It also depends upon how much a buyer is putting down. So let's say there's a house on the market for 900,000 and they want the house, they offer a million, but they're putting $500,000 down. The appraisal really isn't that big of an issue, right? And I, I have, I am seeing, um, especially in Placer County, uh, where my buyers are releasing appraisal contingencies. Yep, being removed right up front. Matter right up front. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I see inspection contingencies down to five days. I, I've seen we will buy it as is. We are not, we're, you know, we'll do our inspections, but we're not, gonna, we're not going to ask for any repairs. They basically remove almost every contingency right up front. That seems a little dangerous. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, they want to get the house, but. Is that dangerous? I mean, when you're releasing all these contingencies, you need you got to be protected as a buyer too. What do you, what kind of advice are you giving your clients that are looking to buy? They're really desired. They're excited about it. 
I mean, well, I, I have what do you no, tell them? Well, you know, it's always the buyer's choice. Right. Okay? And, and they have to make the final decision. You share with them the pros and cons of anything they're thinking about doing. But I have yet to write an offer where all contingencies are removed up front, but I have received them. On the well, oh, really? Well, I advised my client and the realtor. I said, um, go ahead, release appraisal contingency up front. Just don't release the loan contingency up front because then we at least have an out. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and, again, and there's no such thing as a perfect house. And what you're looking for in the inspections is any high ticket items that's going to surface in the next five years. The inspection will, sh- will show that a mold issue, uh, termites, anything you know, along that line, they may cost you quite a bit. But there are a lot of people that are just so tired of, of losing out. They're well, going right in. Well, wow. okay, but what are we saying to, you know, our clients? You know, I I had a very good client um, last week who I've done three or four loans for over the last five years. Um, they've bought and sold a couple times, refinanced. Um, and they said that their house is in, in contract to be sold. They are no longer there and they're, they're trying to buy a house. They're look, out there looking, they're super frustrated. Um, they've got probably two weeks left on the contract or before their house sells. And he said, I'm seriously considering renting for the next year, um, to see if this all calms down and, and wait until, you know, things, things come down. And that sounds dangerous a little bit with this crazy market. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm of the strong, strong philosophy that it, We'll talk. We have a break coming up, but right after this break, we'll talk about that. But I always think waiting to buy will cost you more than buying today, if at all possible. Hey, you're listening to the Golden State Report. If you have any questions about this, give me a call, 530-431-8586, 530-431-8586. We're going to be right back and continue this discussion. Please stay tuned. For all your real estate, financing, and investing questions, call the show's off-air number and speak with Mike Gray directly. 530-431-8586. That's 530-431-8586. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Golden State Report, heard every week on AM 1380 and FM 105.5. I'm Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty. Along with David Stone from the Stone Consulting Group. Hey, Mike. And Amy DeBus from Finance of America. Hi, guys. Always a pleasure to be here with you. Yep. And Amy, you had a comment right at the end of last break, which I kind of wanted to kind of pigtail on about renting or, or slow, not and, well, and not should, buying. Well, should you, should you sell your house and, you know, get out of the market and wait for yeah, because, a Because year. the market's been so red hot and almost crazy red hot that maybe maybe I just need to step back. And watch it kind of settle down and come back down to whatever normal might be. Yeah. One question I would have is, isn't the rental market also pretty hot too? I mean, it might be oh, hard yes. to find a rental. Yeah. It Absolutely. Is. It is. So he's just yeah. thinking in that in that last uh, prior the last segment, your client was just thinking, well, I can just rent. It's like, well, yeah, if you want to go to an apartment complex that has like a vacancy and who knows how nice that place is. But, but to rent a house, I mean. Well, there's houses for rent. Um, I think that, you know, the thing is, is that, I mean, you know, it's your payment's probably going to be comparable to what your mortgage would be and maybe even more than what your mortgage would be. 
for a really nice house in yeah. Placer County. And then but, you miss out on the the low interest rates we have now. You miss out on the appreciation, appreciation. that's like or yep. the po- you know, potential the, so here's appreciation. The, yeah, here's the million dollar question. Maybe it's the five million dollar question now. Whatever, whatever <laughs> the most expensive. Well, question. because it's because the market's question. so hot, it's five. It's got to be five million. You yeah, got to okay. go more than a million. <laughs> okay. Anyway, the the question is is all right. Is the market going to continue to appreciate, or is it going to come back down? And that's when I should buy. Well, first off, this is always my answer. If it makes sense and you can afford the house, buy now. I don't care what the market is, whether it's going up or going down, because you get the enjoyment, you get the tax benefit. And I just think it's so much better to own your real estate instead of renting. Instead of paying, and there's a different instead. mindset that yep. goes along with your finances right. when you're a homeowner versus a renter. Okay. I, you, but, but what do I think the market's going to do? All right, yeah. I do not see us ever giving back what we have gained unless there is a national global economic crash. I got to be point blank honest because – uh, if I look at my uh, most recent sales in the last couple of months, more than half of them are money coming from out of town, mm. Bay Area money, Southern California money, from a lot of different areas. Right. But it's not people moving up locally. It's people moving in and they're bringing uh, – they're selling in a much higher price point and, and buying at a lower price point. And so they're just thrilled at what they can be able to purchase with much less money. I used to use this ratio. People from the Bay Area can – buy three times the house for one-third the price. Now, because of what we have seen in the last six months, it's no longer three times the house at one-third the price. It's maybe uh, one little bit more. <laughs> if it's going to cost. <laughs> anyway, so, so here's another analogy. If, if the Bay Area is at 10 feet and we are at six feet of depth, that's price points, well, the Bay Area is going to come down and maybe down to 8.8 feet, and we're going to go up to 7.2 feet. And wow. We, and we are that, not, you think it's going to be that close? Yes, I do. And we are not going to give it back. Well, and that's – moral to the story is, is please buy now if you're listening to us on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for more than one reason, um, the, the housing market's not going down. Mm-hmm. This is not the same as the 08 crash. Correct. Um, we won't even go into that, but it's, take our word for it. It's not. And, um, you know, interest rates are, they've ticked up. And no, they're not in the twos anymore. I know that sounds tragic. Um, however, um, we're still in the threes, mm-hmm. which is still unprecedented and the lowest interest rates that we've seen in historically. So, um, you know, when I did, I did a comparison on what, you know, what it would look like. Um, buying a house right now as a first-time home buyer at four hundred thousand dollars, putting five percent down um, at current rates, and I projected it out one year. Um, buying that same house with the ten percent appreciation, purchase price in a year is four hundred forty thousand. Yep. Interest rates probably a point and a half higher. Um, your payment would be five hundred dollars more a month. Correct. And so, I mean, so here we are telling our listeners: if you have the ability to buy, buy now. And then we have buyers saying, well, I'm willing to buy, Mike. Just find me a house. And yeah. I say, well, we're going to have to go over asking price. And then I, I mean, to be honest, I've done this for a long time. And usually I do not lose in a multiple offer situation. I, I just got to be honest. You know, I, right. I, I've had a very, very high percentage of success for, for my buyers. And my percentage has gone down just a bit. <laughs> because people are more going up 20 20- Percent yeah, over fifteen percent, yeah. You know, I can see going five, eight, nine percent, ten percent. I start um, thinking about it, and we're not even close. We're not even close in a couple of the offers. And so wow. here we just gave advice: if you can afford to buy, buy. And so the, 
we have buyers willing and we just don't have the homes. Well, and I do think it is, you know, we are coming out of the pandemic and that is part of the reason why the housing market doesn't have as many help homes on the market. Um, when we create herd immunity, uh, of, you know, which I think we're close to that, you yeah. know. Um, we're on I our way. Pe- Making I think, progress. You know, maybe, um, you know, sellers will be more motivated to uh, sell their houses and move around, well, you know, o- as we get it, into the warmer months. Uh, here's another example. One of my clients was thinking about selling and moving up. Okay. I said, well, we can put your house on the market subject for you to you finding a replacement property. Mm-hmm. So if we don't find it, you don't have to sell your house. Well, then they started looking at the houses that they were trying to, you know, maybe move up into. And seeing that price point, and it just made much more sense for them to upgrade their backyard and add on to their existing house. Yeah, create their own home resort so, instead yeah, of so, go buy a second so house. That the pandemic has really we really have a legitimate cultural shift, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, to how our sellers going to say, well, you know, I remodeled, but my house is still too small, and I still want a newer house or a bigger house or a house in a different zip code. But as difficult it is to find a house in a different different zip code, is keeping some people from even putting their house on the market. Right, right. Well, you know, um, hopefully that will change soon as far as people putting their houses on the market. I just wanted to say that, you know, it's it, remind everybody it is tax season, right? Oh, yes. Oh, and yes. We, Unfortunately, and, it's tax season. <laughs> and there are a lot of people that are, maybe get refunds. What's a refund? I don't know. I don't either. What's a refund? But um, there are <laughs> some first-time home, future first-time home buyers out there that may be getting a refund of sorts. And I just wanted to remind our listeners that, you know, it doesn't take that much capital to buy your first home because we do have first-time home buyer programs that um, you can get into a house as little as three to five thousand money dollars out of your own pocket. I have a wow. first, I have a first-time home buyer right now. He's twenty-three years old. He is in contract to purchase a three hundred and thirty thousand dollars house. He's getting down payment assistance from our Golden State uh, financial program, the GFSA Open Doors. And um, he's getting a total of 3.5% from down payment assistance. And then he had some money, he had some money saved up. So he's spending about about 3,500 of his own money. Seller ended up, we didn't ask for any credits up front. I don't mm-hmm. I don't advise anybody to ask a seller for a credit when you're first making your first offer because you won't get it accepted. Um, but as you know, the process went and there was some repairs to be done. Um, he got a seller credit in lieu of mm-hmm. those repairs, um, which brought his cash to close down. Um, but just a reminder to everybody that you know, if you are getting a tax refund, a great way to spend it would be to get pre-approved for your home loan. Mm-hmm. And, and Amy, you can do that. I can. And you're very, very good at doing that yeah. and helping our uh, helping our listeners out there get pre-approved. But there are first-time homebuyer programs and there are homes that are still affordable. I just want to give people hope out there. Right. Well, and <laughs> I also don't want to be the just um, communication just of all doom and gloom because I have gotten offers accepted. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I've been very successful with that. It's just that before I rarely lost. And I just got to take that rarely off. Well, and I think first time home buyers and any type of buyer needs to be educated and go into it with a, with a, you know, Mm -hmm. mindset of, you know, it might take a little longer than normal 
to find that house for you. Um, but if you're patient and you're willing to uh, go at it with your best foot forward, we're here to support you and yep. find that house for you. And a good realtor will be able to describe to you, this is how we're going, this is our strategy. You know, and I always go into it and, and uh, my philosophy is this. I'm going to make it very, very difficult for the seller to say no to our offer. Okay. And, yes. that's, and that's asking questions and that's exploring and, and just trying to dig through more things. That, the, the more information you can get, the better you can write that offer. Well, and I, yeah, I know we've talked about this, Mike. There are um, sellers out there that don't want to sell to a Bay Area person. They want to keep it in the family mm-hmm. and sell to are a Are you local saying that people person. are calling the station and then are giving us their opinions? No, no, no. I'm saying that, Mike, didn't you say that one of our sellers wanted to make sure that they were selling it to a, a local family? Right. And you got to be very, very careful when you start walking down this road. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, because, am I saying something oh, I should yeah, be yeah, saying on the air? Dun, dun, dun. Where's the background music? I am not touching that question. All I'm saying that there is absolutely no discrimination whatsoever, whether whatever community you come uh, bah, bah, from. Bah, 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 bah. What, about, wh- what about our sellers that see a veteran making? Making an offer, yep. it's the same thing, and they they, they want to give that the, veteran a, a chance. Yep. They, over seller can make their own decision. The sellers can make their own decision. <laughs> they just can't say no to an offer because of a lot of criteria. You can't steer them towards a certain. No, you know, of course and, not. And, and, and any reputable real estate agent would never do that. I, I know. I'm, I'm really honest. That's the, that's kind of real estate one hundred and one. All right, <laughs> but and a, and a good real estate agent will see that if a seller's making a decision that's based upon. Anything that's really discriminatory, yeah. they will guide them away from that yeah. and help them. Sometimes it's just an educational curve right? helping right. people. But your example, uh, a vet and somebody wrote an offer and they are a vet. Yeah, sometimes that carries a lot of weight. Absolutely. Somebody has a uh, – they've raised their family and I mean, oftentimes in multiple offers, people are writing letters describing their family and they want a, another family to raise their family in their house to continue that tradition. Those things are legitimate, but the seller makes a decision – Based upon issues that are not discriminatory, and so. I've I've never well I've only been a seller once in my life, and I wasn't attached to that house because I already had this house. But as a woman, if I were to sell my house, I would be very picky about who I sold it to. <laughs> anyway, if you have any questions about buying or selling, we hey, if you want to if you yeah, want to help Amy sell her yeah, house, the, the, we're not, that ain't happening. We're not going. We are not putting you in touch with Amy. You give me a call. Five three zero four three one eight five eight six. Again, five three zero four thirty one eighty five eighty six. We're going to be right back after this break, so please stay tuned. For all your real estate financing and investing questions, call the show's off-air number and speak with Mike Ray directly. Five three zero four three one eight five eight six. That's five three zero four three one eight five eight six. Now back to the Golden State Report with Mike Ray. Welcome back. You are listening to the Golden State Report, heard every week on FM 105.5 and AM 1380. I'm Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty, along with Amy DeBus from Finance of America. Hello, and, Mike. And David Stone from the Stone Consulting Group. Always a pleasure. Yep. David, we, uh, sorry I came in just a little bit stammering here. Usually we have a disclaimer here because of, of your financial stuff. But we're going to put that disclaimer on after this segment. So that's, we'll still get it on. That's fine but, for me because <laughs> that, that lady just – she talks so fast I, I can know, barely I understand know, but, her. But I was waiting for it and all of a sudden I get the signal we're on the air and I stammered <laughs> through that introduction. Everybody. So, well, that's what you get when, the, when you're on radio. <laughs> you get you – get you get 
maybe you get. Yeah, that's, that's good. A, I just I just wasn't quite as prepared as I ought to have been. So, but I got a question for you, David. Yes, sir. I, I was prepared for this question. So, <laughs> uh, we've had this discussion before because this comes out of your book, The Power of a Plan. When you've talked about insurance, and yeah. you say insurance is like renting versus owning. And I've only ever thought of that concept as applied to real estate until I talked to you. Yeah. So when when you were thinking about real estate, most people clearly understand the difference between renting and owning. We've mm-hmm. had this conversation on the show. In fact, we just talked about it in the last segment, right? Yes. It was a nice segue into yes. your renting <laughs> well, versus owning. Well, I, it gave me the thought like, hey, that sounds like something we could talk about. It'd be really interesting. I think people might have a, a way of thinking about it. But in any in, in real estate, if you if you have a commercial property, if you own the property as a business owner, um, you pay yourself rent. You you know you have that, or maybe you have a, a loan and you've borrowed money to to buy the building. That, let's say you're in an office building, called tenant occupied, a tenant occupied, or you can rent from someone else. I personally, my office in Roseville, I I pay rent to somebody else. I I don't own my um, my building where my company is located. So the same sort of thing happens in, pers- in personal and uh, individual real estate, residential real estate, where you have the renting versus the owning. So how does this have anything to do with insurance? Well, there's, there's a lot of different types of insurance, right? You got health insurance, you got disability insurance, you got long-term care insurance, you got uh, homeowner's insurance, you got all these different types of insurance. Well, with type of life insurance is the type of insurance that really you get into a discussion about renting versus owning. Correct. So much like in a um, residential property, if you are the owner, you typically have more expenses, right? So you have your property taxes that you got to pay as the owner. You have uh, the uh, cost of maintenance that you have to pay for as owner. If you're a renter, you're not paying for those sort of things, right? Mm -hmm. So when people are thinking about, well, what's the difference in terms of life insurance? How can you rent versus own? Well, renting Life insurance is like term insurance. Mm-hmm. So if you had a lease for 10 years, you'd have like a 10-year term insurance policy. And that is the least expensive way to purchase your life insurance for a particular period of time. It may not be the most effective because less than 2% of all term insurance policies ever pay out a death benefit. Mm-hmm. And it's not because the insurance company doesn't have the money to do that. It's because the, in, the, the person didn't doesn't die, die in that, that time period, years. right? 10 years, 15 years, 20, 25, 30, whatever it is. 30 is, is you know, you're, if you're older, you can't get as much as a 30-year usually, or it's very expensive typically. But term insurance is, without a doubt, the least expensive way to purchase insurance during a period of time. However, there's some benefits to owning real estate versus renting, right? So when you rent, you know what happens to your house uh, if you stop paying your rent? Take take the COVID rules out for a second when they're saying landlords don't get paid. And the moratorium you gotta, you gotta does not them, exist. Leave them in there. Yeah, but you don't pay your rent in a normal in a normal world. You get evicted. <clears throat> yes, you're going to be living in the street. Yeah, you won't have a house to to stay in. The same sort of thing is true with with term insurance. If you don't pay your premium, or in this case, your rent, it cancels. You don't have the insurance anymore, right? It goes away, and so um, and that's that's fine if you don't need the life insurance in that example. But there is a way to own life insurance. Some people talk about, well, what about this? Is this whole life? What is it? And I like to just kind of help people understand it when I'm talking about the benefits because there are pros and cons. I don't. I personally have both. I both. I rent and own personally. Okay. So I have both. And uh, so you have a either permanent insurance, but your plan is to have that for an extended period of time, 
or you have uh, term insurance for a shorter need, a shorter term need. So if you have children in the home, right. that's what I was going to say. That that might be a perfect example of I'm, I'm going to have a million dollar policy. A million dollar policy for that situation because my kids, my wife in the in my case, I have five children. They're all uh, adults, so um, they're not in the house anymore. So I don't necessarily need that much. Anymore. For Sabrina to have that. Now, I did back when I had a little kids, and yeah. there was a, a bigger need for her. And all of them are through college except for one. And uh, and so that makes it pretty good for me, too. So I've, I've, you survived. I've, paid, I've, paid, I've paid the price. <laughs> okay, so – so the advantages of um, owning your life are yeah. So if you if you're if you want to own your insurance, so then just like in real estate, you can have appreciation. Mm-hmm. You can borrow money against your house, and you can take cash out of your out of your home. Right? You can live in it till you die, and then pass it on to your heirs. And there's some advantages tax wise to do that. Well, the same thing's true with life insurance. That is permanent insurance, whether it be a whole life policy or a what's called a universal life. There's a, a bunch of different types of of, of mm-hmm. permanent insurance. You pay that up front? So what you do, well, there's a lot of different ways to do it. That There was a tax law change way back in 1986 called the Tamra Tax Law. And they it used to be people would take what they called the last great tax shelter, and they would take <laughs> this money and you could dump a bunch of money into a life insurance contract. Well, somebody thought that was pretty uh, nifty, so they actually went and put a full-page ad on the back of the Wall Street Journal. This was back in the ni- mid-1980s, and um, I, don't, I do not know which life insurance company it was, but it said, America's last great tax shelter, and it was promoting their life insurance because there's tax benefits to doing that. A year that. later, they changed the tax law? The tax law got changed because the guy, one of, I don't know who, who it was, but somebody represented in the House of Representatives came in and held up the Wall Street Journal article and says, "What are we going to do about this, people?" <laughs> and they did something, and they and they they basically changed it. So well, you have to spread out those premiums. No, you have a seven year period basically where you can dump a bunch of money in, and then you the longer you go, the more money you can put in. But it's still a great tax shelter, and there's some great ways of putting money into a life insurance policy where it can grow tax free. I like to sometimes refer to this as the rich man's Roth IRA. If you make too much money, you can't put money into a Roth IRA. Well, we can talk about a backdoor Roth IRA in another meeting, another another show. But um, but the reality is there are benefits to owning and there are benefits to renting. And sometimes a combination of the two make a lot of sense. And so when you're making decisions about that, that's why in that chapter I talk about that the, there's what's called a financial planning pyramid where the foundation of the pyramid really is your risk management or your insurance. So you're – your um, health insurance. If you get sick, you want to make sure that you are, you know, don't have to go to the hospital and have a huge amount that you have to pay for. Uh, if you become disabled and you can't work, what? How are you going to live? And the life insurance and the other the other piece of that foundation is the long term care and being prepared for that. So that there's just a, a lot of different types of insurance. So how, how, what are some of the factors you use to determine? Well, should I rent my insurance or should I own my insurance? Well, I think we were talking about it with regard to real estate. If you can afford this. Then this is so usually it's an affordability affordability question. Okay, um, I I have some clients that will put in substantial amounts of money into these kind of policies to grow them tax free, and then ultimately that that asset would pass on to their heirs. Um, so 
if you and tax free. So you you have a substantial um, benefit there with regard to using the the deductibility is not there. Um, so there's three different ways you can avoid paying taxes. One is you can deduct the money before you earn it or before you take it in. One is you can grow it tax deferred, and the other is you can take it out tax free. But the IRS wants to always give you know they always want to get one piece of the puzzle out. Okay. So here's a question for you, and again, I think I know the answer to it, but uh, uh, so if um, you are the beneficiary of a life insurance policy, yes, whether it be renting or owned, but you know, term or universal life, right, and you get a nice chunk of change, is that taxable? It is not income taxable, but it it is included in your estate depending on how you have the ownership set up and how okay. the beneficiaries are set up. So there is a there is a possibility that could be uh, an estate taxed item. And it goes against you know the, the amount of assets that you can pass on to the next generation without any estate tax. Right. Again, this is where uh, I mean, when we when you were describing you know a backdoor for uh, you know a IRA, Roth IRA and, and, and all different type of things, I thought, boy, I am so glad I know you <laughs> <laughs> and can rely upon your expertise. And so if if you know life insurance, whether you should own or buy or financial planning, you could not just be in better hands than you, Dave. I mean, you just you know what you're talking about, and you're good at what you do. And I, and I really trust you when it comes to these type of issues. Well, I I appreciate that. There's a lot of really good people in the industry that I'm in, mm-hmm. and they have the ability to answer a lot of the same questions. For I know, people. but I, but you're in the room right here with me, <laughs> and I can talk to you. You answer the phone when I call. And That's I, true. And so, and if you want to talk to Dave, all they have to do is give me a call, 530-431-8586. I'm going to put you in touch with David Stone from the Stone Consulting Group. Oh, you'd be in wonderful hands, especially if you're trying to figure out which way you should go. 530-431-8586. We're going to be right back after this break for our last segment. Please stay tuned. David Stone is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp, a broker-dealer, member SIPC, and a registered investment advisor. Stone Consulting Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. For all your real estate, financing, and investing questions, call the show's off-air number and speak with Mike Gray directly. 530-431-8586. That's 530-431-8586. Now, back to the Golden State Report with Mike Ray. Welcome back. You are listening to the Golden State Report heard every week on FM 105.5 and AM 1380. I'm Mike Gray with Morris Williams Realty, along with Amy DeBusk from Finance of America. Hello, everybody. And David Stone from the Stone Consulting Group. It's always fun to hang out with the two of you. It is. It is a, it's a, <laughs> been a nice show. And David, I want to kind of just circle back real quick because one of the, uh, the advantages of insurance, right. we're talking about renting versus owning, but one of the advantages of owning is that you build up a nice reserve. Yeah, you can build up equity just like you can in the, in the house, Correct. right? So if there's a point in time where you need to get access or want to use that for retirement, it becomes a very effective way to draw money out of your cash value that you've accumulated and use that as a way to fund and help fund your retirement. So much like in you know reverse mortgages, we've talked about that with real estate where you can take that money and help help provide cash flow, you can do the same sort of thing with uh, with a life insurance contract. I call it the rich man's Roth IRA, mm-hmm. but you know, when you pull that money out, it can be used for just living and it comes out on a tax advantage basis. There's also uh, the, some insurance allow you to take loans that you can pay back. That's right. And so if you're going through a tight time, perhaps this last year with a pandemic, things got became tight financially. And if you owned your life insurance 
and had value there, you could borrow against it and then just pay it back. Yeah, you could. And in fact, there are many, depending on what the design of the life insurance contract is, it can make a difference of whether or not you even pay it back. You might just say, look, it's going to, it's going to grow enough to make up the difference. Correct. And then when I, let's say the loan is a hundred thousand dollars and you have a million dollar policy, you just have that hundred thousand dollar loan paid off first and then your heirs get the difference the nine hundred in that example kind of like the reverse mortgage in some ways yeah yeah great and then a lot of this is described in your book tell me about your book again because i really like it and i want our listeners to hear about it again yeah the power of a plan um and that is and you can go to our website uh, thegoldenstatereport.com, and there's information on each one of us as well as information on the book. But it's I wrote it in 2016. I tried to not timestamp anything on it because there is a lot of things in there that and usually in the finance world is timestamped every day. Correct. So I have concepts and stories and, and different things for people to kind of look at and say, how can I learn? How can I be a better steward of my financial mm-hmm. wealth? And um, so the power of a plan is to have people help the help them understand the benefits of having a plan, having a strategy. Mm-hmm. There are so many benefits. I, I think of the power of a plan in the book, but I also think Think about the power of a team with our group, with the, the three of us mm-hmm. and others that we have, attorneys and CPAs and other people that we collaborate with. There's so much benefit in doing planning in a cross-disciplinary basis, not just doing it from one aspect and being out kind of a lone bird out there on your own, uh-huh. but you have a team of associates that you can run ideas off of. I know you like to call Amy early, and she likes to call you early, mm-hmm. and you guys have the ability to communicate um, and and have done some really amazing things for different clients. And In fact, we were discussing it briefly at the break, but I don't know – can you kind of reiterate oh, yeah. that that well, benefit you were talking about with the, uh, well, the client that you Amy had? Amy and I just closed an escrow, and it was, it was a challenging, you know, uh, process. And it was a very very expensive home. My buyers beat out quite a few other buyers. Uh, we weren't the highest, but we were the best. Nice. <laughs> and one of the reasons that we got it, you know, is because we were a team, Amy. And, yep. And we, um, when our offer was made. Amy was the only lender that called the listing agent. Oh, I didn't know I was the only one. You, uh, no, she called the other lenders, but you're the only one who t- took I called the her first. You <laughs> called her. And that really impressed that listing agent. She said, you know, and what, what do you know about, you know, th- this lender? And I said, oh, I've worked with her for a long time, good communication skills. And I said, the communication is just important. It's really, really important for a, a real estate transaction to move ahead because there's, a, there's going to be road bumps. And communication, you know, helps us take care of that. And this is just an example, too. Um, oftentimes I will uh, have a question for Amy and, and I'll call her. And if she's on the line with somebody, you know, I'll, it goes to her voicemail. And I know that she's probably talking to somebody else. And uh, I leave her a message. But as I'm leaving the message, I get the answer in a text because she knows <laughs> the question that I was asking, calling about. Oh, now, yes. that, that's good communication. Oh, yeah. That's, that's I impressive. I can read your mind. That's how long uh, we've been working together. I was yeah. going to say, I failed mind reading in college. Yeah, yeah. Evidently, Amy excelled in it. So I, I'm leaving this voice message with this question, and I look down, and there, there's the answer in the text because she goes, oh, I know why he's calling. <laughs> and, so, and so here's the update you've been looking for. Nice. And so then when I call the, you know, the listing agent, and you know this listing agent said, you know, I, I got to be honest with you, uh, you've always preempted my calls by calling me first. Yeah, and uh, that, that's just an example of just trying to go taking the highest road and going the extra mile and trying to make the transaction go as smooth as we can. We can't take there. Are, there are going to be problems in every escrow. 
you know, the good agent just, all right. Hurdles. So, yeah, hurdles. <laughs> well, problems. Okay. Sometimes they're just <laughs> downright problems. I got to be honest. True. Okay. But, but then, all right, we're going to face it head on and we'll, my job is to try to figure out okay how can we how can we solve this right. and collaborate together as and a make team. it move forward and still make it a win win situation yep. for everybody involved whether it be the lender whether it be the buyer whether it be the seller and I don't care who I represent trying to understand the other person's position their worries and their concerns and 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 then addressing them in a fair and honest way will help everybody move forward at a pace that that everybody becomes a to the best possible way a win-win yeah being around you guys helps me just realize that the difference between having the work done and having it done as well as it possibly can be done is literally tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands and even in some situations even millions of dollars of benefit by having that team that collaborative group of people that and not just the three of us but the other associates that we work with that other professionals that we that we bring into our circle to Mm -hmm. say look we want to make sure we're making the best possible decision for you, and we want to bring in this advisor to help us Correct. make that decision and help you make that decision. Because if we're not wanting to talk to someone else, we're fearful that they're going to blow up our idea. Well, if our idea is not the right thing for the client, yes. we shouldn't be doing that idea. So I've always I've learned from the very beginning of my career that if I bring in other associates, other people that are helping me and my client make the best decisions for them, doing things cross with, on mm-hmm. a cross-disciplinary basis, not just from tax or legal or investment or real estate or insurance perspective, but just doing things from across the board, it really makes the difference for the client in the end. Yeah, and we are not just co-hosts on this radio show. We are co-partners. We stand beside each other right. and we encourage one another. I know Amy and I had a kind of a, a difficult phone conversation earlier. At the end of the conversation, I said, well, I, I appreciate you, Amy, and I, I know that you're doing your best and you're good at what you do. So we, we, we'll try to make this happen. And then if it doesn't, we'll just find a different way to make it happen tomorrow. Right. That's right. And, right. So, <laughs> and sometimes we even hold off on giving, you know, you've said, I'm just going to wait to talk to, you know, mm-hmm. the, the listing agent for just two hours and wait until, you know, she has some time to talk to her seller to calm things down, you know? And, you know, emotions will run high. And I understand that. And if we can have agents that don't mirror the emotions of their clients, but still help, but honor those emotions and still try to make the transaction move forward. Well said. So, well uh, said, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, you have been listening to the Golden State Report. It's heard every week on AM 1380 FM 105.5. We have a website, thegoldenstatereport.com. But you can always call us, 530-431-8586, and we'll put you in touch with whoever you need to talk to. Thanks for tuning in this week. I hope that you have a wonderful week and perhaps tune in next week. Thank you, everyone.